like limbs in procession, like so many birds, stampeding like oxen, our hearts are a herd. Welcome to Crudely Drawn Swords, the actual play podcast of no dice rolls, high adventure, and intermediate levels of just history, just loads of history, world history, future and past, no particular order. That's how we like it. I'm your host and one of the players, Ben Moxon, and with me once again for the second exploration of this prophecy are... Uh, hi, I'm Pete. That's it. Going to play loads of people. Uh, going to play some people. <laughs> hi, I'm Gwyn. I'm going to be playing a variety of stupid secondary characters with bad accents. <laughs> you used your regional accent last time. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so that's done now. That one's in the bag. It's going to be all uh, incre- increasingly complicated <laughs> and difficult secondary accents. Maybe this will be a chance for me to try my little herd Russian accent, little herd with good reason. The scene as regards the hawks is that in a sea cave on the west coast of Carisona, Percival Cleft and Adam Eagle Ank are assisting the future saint. Ludovic Kreese, by writing prophecies that will shape the world to their need over the next 500 years. And we are discovering what those prophecies consist of through the medium of microscope. Last time we discovered how the sea codex made its way onto the battlefield and was later discovered on the battlefield by a post-apocalyptic warlord with some aspects of a jack-in-the-box whilst his band of Mad Max-style dog cart (laughs) travellers were searching the ancient battlefield for sweet loot. And so we have created some moments in history already and we're going to create some more now. So whose round are we going to start with? Do you want to go next, Pete? I believe I'm next, yes. So, as the new lens, you declare the current focus of the game, the part of history we're going to explore. So, what is our focus right now? I'd like to explore the meaning of the prophecy, like what it what it meant to people throughout history, as in, like, how did it inspire them or... Yeah, cool. So... Each player takes a turn creating either a period, event or scene. The lens goes first and then we go around the table and we're going to the right of my screen, which means it'll be Pete, Gwyn, me. Um, Each player takes a turn creating another period, event or scene. The lens goes first and the lens can create two things on their turn, so long as they're inside of each other. So you could create an event plus a scene or a period plus an event. I think we probably have our periods set out, so yeah. I suspect it would be event and scene. And for listeners at home, the periods we have are High Carisona, which is the period that Adam and Percy are currently in before the rise of the Diabolist. We have the plague, wherein society broke. We have the broken realm, the kind of post-plague era of anarchy. We have the rebuilding as the kingdoms in the present are rebuilt. And we have Rise of the Ice, which is the period really within the characters' lifetimes. So these are the periods of history that we have available over this kind of 500-year period from the past that Adam and Percy are currently in to the present that Percy was born in. So, Pete, what do you want to add to this tapestry of time well i'd like to go straight for the jugular and do something about hector finding his calling with the the books okay yeah but i don't know if you've already covered that in an earlier episode that i didn't hear we haven't really all we know is that hector has the book and we know some of hector's earlier work where he murdered percy well that's a revelation to me all of, all of that has kind of been it's shown up on Mike to some degrees. Although Percy did frame that as a nice bedtime story for Banbury one time. <laughs> uh, I don't know how clear it was that that was Percy being murdered by his old best friend. 
quite the betrayal when you th- put it in those terms. It all works out fine in the end. Could have gone worse. Have you already have you already covered that as a scene, or <laughs> should we see what really happened? <laughs> because what we haven't really covered is Hector finding this prophecy, and maybe the prophecy guides him to Alumbria. Because what we know is that there was a kind of community of people who had heard the voice of Alumbria, but weren't very organised. And then a few years later, it was like a barracks and army there, and Hector was in charge. And so there's definitely something happened with that. We knew that Percy and Hector had been working together on the research that the church frowned upon, um, and yeah. that that was tied with the various sort of bloodlines, particularly the sort of Diabolist bloodline that was coming down. Um, and Percy was kind of looking for ears because he thought that they were important and needed to be nurtured in some way and that that would be important for the, the future. Um, and at some point, Hector sort of split off and decided that he needed to look for um, the similar sort of descendants of the Diabolist so that he could basically sort of crack them open, steal their power and use them for something what dick but you know maybe his motivations were slightly different to that but maybe he yeah. knew that you know i was ultimately gonna well percy was ultimately gonna fail and so he should get in there <laughs> first and uh, and do something else you know maybe he had a tip off i don't know i my contention is that hector is the bloodline of ice hmm. and that has is part of the reason he was interested in it yeah perhaps that Perhaps that discovery would be a good event. Yeah, I like the idea that 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 was always quite obvious to Hector and <laughs> Percy was like completely oblivious to it. And maybe that's part of why they were friends. Everyone else was like, there's something weird about Hector. And Percy's like, oh, no, he seems cool. <laughs> yeah, so so we could uh, we could play something out from that period. So what are you thinking? Like Hector finds this book? Uh, I quite like the idea of him going to the ice and... and Okay, cool. What kind of strange people he finds there. Yeah, because we also, we haven't seen a lot of that stuff, like in the game. So, yeah, we we could definitely play something about that. So where do you want to hit then? Where's, Where's the spot, do you think? It's going to be in the rise of the ice, but right at the very end of it, I think. Okay. Right at the very start of it, I mean. Yeah. So this is probably an event and a scene. Yeah. Perhaps the event is Hector is drawn by the prophecy to the ice. Yeah, I think I think that's a, an event that's definitely or, or or like Hector discovers the prophecy and starts to follow it or something like that. Okay. And you're interested in a scene of him arriving at Sankastropalov? Yeah. At the glacier. So what's the question? Uh, what what convinced him to keep following this path, even though he might not have wanted to? What convinced Hector to follow the prophecy? Yeah, okay. And so we're going to set the st- stage. Where does the scene happen? Was it a, 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 a citadel before he came? or did he... It was once a city buried under a glacier by Ullumbria, and then there's this kind of weird little community there now i think at this point so if we're by the if we're in front of the glacier there's this like little kind of shanty town almost of people who've been drawn to this place and above the glacier hang three ghostly fires mm-hmm. so i guess we're kind of at the town maybe yeah, I think he's arrived, and now the locals are starting to yeah investigate him, find out what he's what he's doing there. Okay, cool. Don't get many visitors. Yeah, except except those who are for whatever reason drawn to this place. Yeah, and a lot of those people are people who have been in some way damaged by life, or have been rendered vulnerable to the voice of the ice. Quite a cross section of people but it's not a very organized community because most people can't hear this call so choose characters i guess someone's playing hector i quite like the idea of that not being me (laughs) because we've seen hector in the future but i'm really happy to like see what someone else does with him 
it lets me pick up the character in different ways later. Uh, I would like to play Rob Sausage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe you should play Rob Sausage, Ben. You're normally a... You've got the accent down. I can't remember what Rob Sausage accent is. But... What is it? <laughs> it's probably just your accent, I would imagine. <laughs> it's, it's not anywhere specific. No. It's... It's just a kind of nasal Ben. <laughs> it's someone from Surrey's idea of the North. <laughs> just the whole of it. <laughs> Non-specific Northern accent. That's, a, that's the one. <laughs> like a Minecraft villager. Okay, I'm apparently playing Rob Sausage. What was Rob Sausage? I, I know what Rob Sausage was doing here. <laughs> I mean, he, he would have been a lot younger back then. Yeah, people got to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you got the ghost fires. I mean, they seem pretty perfect for, you know, <laughs> barbecuing sausage meat. <laughs> I'll, I'll, do, I'll play Hector if you want somebody to play Hector. Yeah, I think that'd be good because he, he's a character that you've had a lot of input into anyway. So I think that'd be quite fun. Who do you want to play, Pete? Uh, I'm going to play uh, a local. Do you want some names? Yeah, hit me with some. It's some nice, uh, nice, easy. These are servant names, allegedly. Anything jumping out at you there? Uh, okay. I'll be Stella Warra. And Stella's a like uh, a trapper, but for for these sort of seagulls that live on the big ice cliff. Okay. Yeah. Like he's climbing up and down the glacier, setting traps in the kind of fissures in the ice. Yeah. Like cold fulmers. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Cold fulmers, we call them. The cold gals, love. Cold gals. Cold gals. <laughs> Are you playing Rob Sausage? <laughs> What's happening? I am playing Rob Sausage, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gwyn, Gwyn's request is my law. Huh? There is actually a require and ban character, so you can say, I don't want characters of a specific type, but I'm not going to ban Rob Sausage until every other scene. <laughs> you get one. <laughs> okay, so each player reveal thoughts. Each player states one thing their character is thinking about the upcoming scene. Start to the right of the player making the scene. To me, I think that's probably Gwyn. What's Hector thinking? He's got the prophecy and it's led him here for some reason. Yeah. Perhaps, but he doesn't quite know why yet. So, uh, I mean, I I guess he probably knows the value of the the prophecy, and maybe there's like elements of it that have come to pass. So already, yeah. or that you know, not necessarily that he's experienced, but he's been able to sort of read and then sort of trace back uh, through history, through research, to check that these obscure things did actually happen. Um, and that, maybe that's been the subject of his research so far. <clears throat> so the fact that it's leading him here is probably quite exciting and uh, intriguing um and this is he's probably sort of stepping into his sort of point of no return really either he's this will mean that he's going all in on the the prophecy or that he's throwing the book away um and taking a a, a different path so that's uh yeah a pivotal moment sort of coming up for him okay cool and likewise a pivotal moment for Rob. He's currently just watching this stranger arrive and going, thinking, maybe a customer. <laughs> this person looks like they might be hungry. <laughs> I mean, were these the days before Rob Sausage had a successful sausage-based business? Yeah, it's oh, the definitely. Point. Yeah. It's a tipping point for him too, you know. Like, is yeah, he going to start? He's, he's 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 thinking really hard about whether the burger business is going to work <laughs> because he's just not bringing in the customers. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Burger doesn't really have the same ring to it, though. <laughs> We'd have to redo all the merch, so check carefully. <laughs> yeah, so he's kind of keeping an eye out. What's Stella Wara? Stella doesn't like uh, new people, so she quite like to this guy to leave this new. Just to learn to tolerate uh, Rob Sausage. <laughs> Rob another person. Uh, <laughs> I came here to get away from people. <laughs> and you keep getting more and more people showing up and going, oh, the ice is calling me. You're like, great, well, I've got birds to catch. <laughs> yeah. 
Can I just confirm where we are in the yeah. the history yet? So this um this place that we're at, uh like Ullumbriar has encased it in a glacier, um, or whatever, and this the place that we're moving up to has got a little village that's set up outside it, is that right? Okay. But Ullumbriar themselves It's still inside the it, ice. It's still just knocking about doing doing a thing. Basically Ullumbriar was imprisoned within the ice mm-hmm. for thousands of years, plausibly. After encasing her city in it. Right. And since then, and like since the fall of the animal gods, and she's been trying to get herself cut free by calling out to people, but very few people can hear her. So she's still currently trapped in the glacier, but people are starting to get closer to where she is because some people are trying to dig into the glacier wall. And she's what's called people, but they don't understand what they're dealing with or what they're seeing here. They don't understand there's some great power of the ice under there. They just know that something's calling for them. So the place that we, the place that we end up at is that Hector has bound Ullumbriar yeah. and stolen, stolen her power, basically. Yeah, basically he's yeah. created a channel to this great power of the ice. So the next thing likely to happen is actually digging out Ullumbriar or digging a tunnel to her chamber to like where she's trapped okay so I think what you see is like almost like this wall of the ice the carved the edge of the ice sheet and far above it these like ghostly fires and then at its foot this little huddle of houses of like shanty town of huts and carved ramshackle buildings and as you approach it down the one track that leads in you can see a single young, fairly cold-looking fella with, like, a barbecue with a couple of burgers on it that looked like they've been cooking for quite a while. Does Hector have an accent yet? He didn't, no. He's just a bit gruff when I play him. bit gruff, okay. It's sort of slightly bluff. Bluff yet gruff, if you can imagine that. Bluff yet gruff. I, I sort of imagine him as being a bit like a kind of, like, what if you turned Brian Blessed down to eight or seven? <laughs> Still quite bluff, but not ridiculously, not over the top so. <laughs> From the way you described him in the past, he definitely I've definitely met him at a LARP event. Oh yeah, he's definitely <laughs> someone someone you've met at a LARP event. But he, he thinks he's pretty great. He's got that kind of unshakable confidence of like someone who believes they're right about everything and doesn't really pay much attention if someone disagrees. Hopefully that gives you something to work with anyway. Hmm. I feel like it's kind of evening. Is that evening in a snowy place where it's getting kind of grey, but it's still quite bright because there's so much snow and ice around? You come through pine woods to this place as well. It's part of the southern forest. Yes, Hector will walk in. And up to Rob Sausage's stores then? He's like, all right. Good evening, my lord. Burgers? Uh, Can I offer you burgers? I don't know, what's a burger? Well, imagine if you will, someone got a sausage, but then made it wider and flatter. But why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just have a sausage? Ah, whatever, I'll I'll take one. Go on. (laughs) I think you'll like it. Just think, all girth, no length. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we work on that slogan, but <laughs> I'm still workshopping it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the bread is kind of half frozen. He's got like a a roll that he wraps this burger in, as hands it over. He's like, "There you go. That'll be uh, three schmeckles, please." Oh, schmeckles. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, do you know what? Not the most appetising of breads, but I am intrigued as to how you managed to get it quite so frozen hard. Presumably that's got something to do with the massive glacier behind you, is it? That's a lot of it. Aye, yeah, there's a lot of ice going on. Basically, it's harder to keep things warm than keep them cold here. So the meat storage, no problem at all. The fresh bread feels cold after like five minutes. Hmm, I see, yeah. All right, yeah, well, I'll have a try this. Give us one of your flat sausages, Rob. (laughs) 
Hey Stella, alright then. Hey, have you met this new fella? Only just new in town. Oh, who's this? Oh, I'm uh, I'm Hector. Uh, Stella, was it? Pleased to meet you, Stella. What do you want? Well, right now, this, uh, what did you call them? Flat sausages? Yeah. Well, um, I'll just try this. Do you know what? These are pretty delicious. Uh, is it a secret ingredient? Oh, aye, aye. But it's a secret, obviously. Can't share it. Trade secrets. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Here you go, Stella. Ta, Rob. And he, like, taps nose. He's like, it's all right. I'm... I won't tell him that it's the ice golds of the secret ingredient. <laughs> that stays our secret. That's true. We got lots of secrets here, but don't There's <laughs> <laughs> a very close-knit community around here. Oh, you, you are, are you? I, I, I see. Well, um, Look after her own. Yeah. So, my understanding is that you've been doing a bit of work on this Blast, yeah. Who's heading up? Are you involved in that at all, Stella? Maybe. A little bit. Oh, I can see this is going to be painful. Um, <laughs> right. What, what would it what would it take to find out a little bit more about that? Is there anything that you're particularly in need of around this place? I've travelled from distant lands. It may be that I could um, provide you with, uh, with knowledge, with tales, with... Um, roots into exotic goods. Have you got a good source of beef? A source of beef. Oi. I mean, I, I don't have a. I haven't brought a cow with me, but I'm. I'm sure that I could arrange for, uh, for such things. If you'd like a, well, a, a trade route or something. How much beef are we talking? Like a cow? Aye, that'd be plenty. But it should keep because of, because of the cold. Oh, I see. Yeah. Just just a cow, maybe two. Well, now that you mention it, yeah. It, so, so you you're a businessman, uh, presumably, Rob. I I follow the profit where it goes. It's it's all about the profit, see. I see. So, <laughs> if if we were able to uh, assist you by pushing your produce out somewhere, that's something that you'd be interested in, would it? Oh, aye, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, this is intriguing. I I I guess. That if we're going to do that, then we'll need some kind of we'll need to expand your storage facilities. I mean, do you have capacity within the village to maybe sort of uh, dig out a chamber within the um, within the glacier for you know, for the purposes of storing <laughs> these things um, long term? Oh, now that's a funny thing actually, because some of the people in town do like to try and dig into the ice, so there's a little bit of a bit in there. What for fun? I well. You know, uh, them twins, Tarium Lemek, they always going in there going, oh, here's the singing of the ice. I don't know what it sounds like. To me, it sounds like as long as they got a few schmeckles for a burger, it'll all be good. Well, I'll tell you what, maybe if you can facilitate some kind of meeting between me and them, then I'll, I'll have a look at what you've, what capacity you've already got. And um, I'm sure I could oil some wheels some of trade somewhere along the line and uh, when I know how much you can receive then uh, we can have discussions on, on how that might look oh. just need a little bit of a, a, a tour of the the chambers that you've already got and maybe a discussion about how to make them bigger if they're a bit too small or you know they need to be of the right sort of construction and engineering to maximise the uh, preservation properties oh. Oi, oi, oi Eh, Stella, shall we show them round? Oh. Yeah. Come on, it's all right. Uh, this will be look. This could be a big business opportunity. Oh, it could be. We're getting yeah, in yeah. on the ground floor. I think the name Rob Burgers will be crossing the nation before long. I think I uh, I could be famous for my burgers. I could. Yeah. I mean, let me. I'll just leaf through the uh, the prophecy. Like, <laughs> yeah. No. You you might want to work on the surname. <laughs> but, uh, but we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that. You know, so you've got to play to your existing markets. You're trying to develop a brand new thing. There's no need to do that, really, is there? Everyone knows what a sausage is. I mean, what the hell's a burger? Oh, I see. I hadn't thought of it like that. Well, no, no. Good job I came. It's got a pint, Rob. You're saying go sausage. Go big on the sausage. 
Well, I'll leave those details to you, but for now, why don't you show me around your um, warehousing facilities and uh, we can... <laughs> He's like, well, I, I, my warehouse is like this small shed here, but we got this big, there's this big hole in the glacier over here. Exactly, yeah, that's, well, that's what I mean. I mean, that's what we'll repurpose, isn't it? You see, all this was cut with bills from the cold girls, you see. Oh, is that it were? Because they got very hard bills, and only I can get them for you, so I need to get in on this as well. <laughs> oh, right, you, you, you say so you, you don't have shovels. Yeah. Or is there something special about the bills? The bills is what's delegates, so that's what's special about them. They're very hard, yes. Need like like an ice pick. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot... I, I, I've come from faraway lands, and I can tell you there's a, a, a lot of things in the world that are very hard. <laughs> um, they, they might even be more efficient at cutting ice than um, gull bills. I don't know about that, but well, I, you know, I, I haven't seen these in action. Maybe you could show yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, well, look. I mean, I'm, honestly, like, I'm I'm from near the coast, and um, when I think seagulls, like, you know, when I think gulls, I think things that are I don't know, maybe about as big as your head, slightly bigger. I don't know how big they are here. They might be friggin' massive. You know, they might be the size of a horse. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> so why don't you show me? All right, come here, fella. Yeah, so so go marching marching over. How big are the gulls? <laughs> <laughs> they're tiny. They're like massive rhino-sized seagulls. They're either very small or very <laughs> large. No, 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 resting material. Have to use ice. Basically, their nests are like bowls of ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> the the eggs take a very long time to hatch because they're effectively refrigerated. Yep. Like if they incubate them, the eggs get too warm. The nest melts. Very short incubation period. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very complicated life cycle. <laughs> I mean, it's completely uh, illogical. <laughs> Yet here they are. Stella was saying, this is the only place they live. It's like something has influenced the gulls here to be different from anywhere else. Oh, is that, is that true? Interesting. Just a bit different. No one knows why. Probably no reason. Maybe it's to do with the big glowy things at the top. You get to see them now as the light goes down. And sometimes there's like, it looks like big flames hovering far above the glacier. You so indeed. Yeah. Okay. Well, um... Yeah, if I if I could have a little tour inside, and and so there's like this weirdly chipped tunnel. I feel like it's quite a big short tunnel, and there's a few people in there with these tiny gull beaks just <laughs> scratching away at the ice. You just hear this go, <laughs> and and like they they'll like turn around like ah 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 oh Rob ah Stella ah danger. <laughs> they go back to scratching. Somebody new come to see your, your tunnel. This is, what was your name, young man? What was your name? No, I'm, I'm Hector. Hector? Mm. He's, he's got ideas. He's got big ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, big ideas, yeah. What do you reckon? Decent burger storage available here? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, I'm interested in these uh, th these beaks as well. You know, I'm, uh, you see, I have... Uh, have studied um, in the uh, the churches of the Seven Sisters over so probably a little bit further northwest from here I, I guess Aye. I think it would be northwest if you're up in Caris or somewhere yeah yeah and um, most of my sort of research and studies has been following in sort of the, the worship of Merope, um who is particularly sort of affiliated with engineering and construction and um, Ooh, these sorts of things. I, I think that these these little bills that you're using, I, I could make this a lot more efficient for you just by incorporating it into some basic tools. You're just using the beaks at the moment, but if we were to set those along the edge of a pick, then um, oh, we we could we could really sort of get get moving on here. It'd be like you're making an artificial gull. Yeah, think of it that way. <laughs> With the beak and the whole head. The whole head, and then, like, then you're hitting it. It's like when the gulls peck away at the ice to make their own special nests. Yeah, yeah, much like that. So, um, so, so, yeah, that, that's interesting. I'll have a little inspection of those, and I'm sure we could, um, 
we could come up with some tools to assist. Why are you cutting away into the into the glacier? Well, the people cutting goes, don't you hear the singing? Singing in the ice. The singing in the voice in the ice. She sings to call us. She sings to call us. Oh, I see. Yeah. No, well, Rob's like, oh, they say things like that quite a lot. Yeah, no, that that's good. Well, um, if that's if that's why you're cutting and you want to try to explore further into there, then I'm I'm sure I can uh, assist you with that. Make this a lot more efficient. You know what, Seller? You ever thought that like the way that them gulls chip away at the ice? Do you think eventually they'd chip away all the ice too? There's a lot of ice. There's a lot of ice. I, I'm just thinking, perhaps. Given a thousand years, all the ice would be gone just on account of the gulls. <laughs> it sometimes refreezes in a winter. Never really thought of it like that, the long re- arc of history. But now it suddenly crosses my mind for some reason. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of things that that, that would go into this. The, the rate at which the ice is replenishing would, uh, it would have to be taken into account. I mean, if the gulls are just um, chipping away and then sort of slowly, seasonally, then the, the ice is building back up, then they're not going to make a lot of headroom, are they? But um, oh, that's we, true. We we could. Uh, I'm sure that I can bring some of the uh, the thinking of the Seven Sisters and particularly of Merope here um, in order to make this a much uh, much more efficient operation and make real progress so that sort of thing doesn't encumber us. Oh, well, that's that's very good news. That's refreshing. I think everyone here will be pleased to hear it. You know, and I'll be able to supply you with plenty of burgers. As long as you don't need any of my precious charcoal, I think it'll be ideal. Yeah, okay. Um, well... Take me down as far as you've gone so far. I'll, I'll see what's left to go. Where there's any changes in the um, in the ice wall that uh, that would need accounting for. But after that, I'm sure that I can, we can set something up that involves. If you're happy to um, for me to make inroads with your meat and butchery trade, then um, I will do that. But also, I'll, I'll I'll bring some equipment in from uh, from the west and. Everything else that I bring in, I'd, I'd be more than happy to. You guys are obviously very sort of skilled. You you know the the, the climate. Um, I, if there's opportunities to assist the village, bring you riches uh, in assisting with this operation, then um, I'd, I'd be quite happy to uh, to sponsor um, oh, a, a, a a significant uh, engineering operation here. Now hold on, Rob. What's in it for you, Hector? What's in it for me? What brought What brought you here? Well, I'm um, I'm interested in exploring the the, the mythos of the of the universe. You see, uh, I've it seems to me that this might be a a, a sacred site of sorts, as yet um, unstudied. And as a man of the of the church, then um, conducting this kind of uh, of research into sacred sites and ensuring that they are uh, properly uh, treated, that the the correct rites and uh, rituals are performed um, so that they're sacrosanct. That's uh, that's what I'm about. I I think this could be a a significant find um, for the church and uh, I I think that you as people that have grown up in the, the, the shadow of this glacier could be um, incredibly important um, to this site uh, and to the the, the spirituality that's uh, that's connected to it. Uh, frankly, I think your village is, is is special, and each of you that are in it uh, have a much bigger place, uh, much bigger role to play in in history than uh, than you might imagine. Uh, I mean, just the, the mere fact that you can hear the voices uh, sets you apart from. The average citizen that, uh, that I'm used to dealing with back west, anyway. I think through all this, Rob's, Rob's face has been completely blank, <laughs> as though not a single word is going in. And then, a moment after Hector stops, he just goes, "Mythosage." Yeah. <laughs> Write that one down, Rob. That's that's the starting point, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Then that, that, that's a, that's a good one. You're gonna go far, I feel. <laughs> He's certainly going to go a long way. Today, 
Refrigerating <laughs> sausage tomorrow the world. <laughs> oh, what convinced Hector to follow the prophecy? I think he's found there's something here, hasn't he? Yeah. Do we, I I feel like we've we've got we've got an idea on this. Yeah, I definitely think he's sort of found something here, found some truth to it, or I mean, at the very least, there's something here. Yeah, well, it's kind of been confirmed that there's the sort of singing yeah. going on, which would is going to match up with what's in his book. Yeah. Uh, and there is the, the means to explore it further. Yes. That's uh, all billable work. Uh. I'd like to observe that every character Pete plays is a banger. <laughs> the one is very good. <laughs> Paranoid. Paranoid Gull Hunter. A+. plus. <laughs> So, Gwyn, you can add an event or a scene. Does it have to be to this period? So you can add an event to any period, and you can add a scene to any event. And the the only thing we need to think about is, what did the prophecy mean to people? Yeah. I feel like we're missing one from the plague, aren't we? I don't know what that event would necessarily be, though. Yeah, Uh, we know the plague happened. We sort of have what happened before and after. So... It may not be hugely like that might just be where it was on a battlefield lying out of sight. No, I think it'd be interesting to have something during the plague, wouldn't it? I think the event will be called the False Prophecy. Ah, cool. And at this point in history, the actual prophecy has been lost. It's been stuffed inside a ribcage and (laughs) is underneath a bunch of bodies on a an abandoned battlefield that's probably a bit sort of spooky and got lots of um yeah and also close to the epicenter of the plague so uh yeah so uh so there's no real way that it's going to be found for uh, for some time yeah. um so but i think that the existence of the prophecy itself is probably still just about within living memory. Yeah. Or not perhaps not living memory, but it's been passed down. It's not been completely lost. Yeah. Um, and so like little fragments and elements of it, but some of the meaning has, has been lost. So people are aware that uh, of that fragments and elements of it. Um and perhaps are making assumptions um about when it's sort of due to happen um, and the exact sort of nature of it. So you've got people that are attempting to bring about some of the stuff that is supposed to happen much later, way, way earlier than it should be. Um, And probably in a sort of like slightly sort of twisted and not quite right way. Yeah. So, yeah, so the the event is about the trying to follow a, a false prophecy. Yeah. Um, and the scene is probably almost like a proto-cult. Okay, yeah. To the, the later stuff where some kind of, you know, charismatic cultist leader um, is uh, is using some of these memories to um, achieve whatever end it is they want to achieve. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, I know there's actually there's something about this that I think is interesting. Because I'd wondered what if there was another conflicting or a prophecy combating this one through history. Mm. I like that would be pretty cool if someone else is like, ah, yes, we should manipulate history to achieve our ends. And we're like, oh, we'll manipulate history. And the two kind of collide in few places. Mm. I think perhaps they, they know that there is, that this prophecy sort of pro- prophesized a, a reckoning, uh, a binding of um, a great power, you know, like Olin Briar. Yeah. Um, and the the return of some of these elemental bloodline things, and that's about as much as they know. So perhaps you have a a protocol that is is interested in that, interested in it, and is either trying to bring it about or has got the wrong end of it. And is trying to bring the original yeah. Diabolist back or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, or is trying to trying to bind the original Diabolist's like power because it's just out there in the world because he's been destroyed. In this round. We can only create either an event or a scene. Okay. So we've got an event there. Next That's turn, you'll be the lens, so you get to create an event and a scene if you want to. Okay. I I want to do something. We've got this event, the formal foundation of the Dragon Guard. I think that's an interesting, like, 
this is what did the prophecy mean to people? This is a pretty significant point. At what point did people go, okay, we've got the prophecy of St. Crease. How do we go about implementing it? I think the scene is like around the descendants of some of that kind of Mad Max band which are now becoming like established power in this future kingdom, <laughs> in this growing kingdom. So I, I think this is like in a, in a manor house, not well restored, but a little restored. We're past the stage of complete collapse and people are like trying to rebuild things in various places. I like the idea of it's kind of a next generation young firebrands looking to the future and so the question is why did the founders of the dragon guard choose to keep it secret so we're in this manor house we've got this group of young forward-thinking future heroes i don't know what kind of what kind of names do we want for this tree creature names don't seem <laughs> right bounty hunter names <laughs> no, those are all things like deadlock and veto. I think those um those posh names that you had before. Yeah, uh, like the knight names that we had. These these are like emerging nobles, aren't they? That yeah, are, yeah, they are. That are landed uh, as a result of the um dodgy work of their predecessors, like all noble nobles. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm just going to go for Tybalt, because that's a good name. <laughs> Tybalt. Tybalt Naughty. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think it'll be uh, Tybalt Norton. Yeah. What, what were the names of our Mad Max characters? Uh, they were Smoky Mime, Wink Zero, and Warmaster <laughs> Riddle Naughty. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think... Tybalt Norton is quite a good, uh, like, I can imagine Naughty having turned into Norton mm. when they started to look, want to look. I'd be Renfrey Zeros with an X. <laughs> Renfrey's a good name. Sure, I can pull something out of this. Magnificent Mort is <laughs> a good one in, that seems to be in there. Hephaestus Mistfeather, if you wanted one from the Griffin name list. <laughs> Uh yeah, Mistfeather. That is quite a good name, isn't it? Monty Mistfeather. <laughs> Monty. Good old Monty. Gobbery Mistfeather. Okay, so now we've got Tybalt Norton, Redfree Zeros, and Monty Mistfeather. And I immediately now my mind has immediately gone to like this is a kind of like a young men's drinking night everyone's got brandy you're doing random like uh random kind of toasts to whatever you happen to think of and maybe like there's a bunch of our friends sat around most of them have gone to sleep by this point and we're kind of like late night a bit drunk i think the c codex is just on the table like this uh, incredibly valuable prophecy. <laughs> so the uh, final part of preparation here. What is each character thinking? Tybalt Norton is thinking Grandfather Riddle made his mark on history. Father built this place. I've got to make a mark on history. I've got to do something worthy of the legacy of these notable ancestors. These clear-thinking and forward-looking figures who have already building such a hopeful world. Rainfree is... I think he's probably sort of seeing the Sea Codex and has probably sort of vaguely skimmed it. Had a little <laughs> look through. There's like a couple of ideas in there that he's taken as like a... Like, kind of like a political manifesto um but hasn't really paid too much attention to it um and the main conclusion <laughs> that he's drawn is that somebody somebody needs to be pulling the strings um <laughs> uh and 
why shouldn't that be? <laughs> We're at least looking to establish a sort of Bullingdon Club style <laughs> <laughs> old boys network of uh, of people, and you know the, the the right sort of chap. Yeah, you know, <laughs> society needs to to move on um, a little bit from sort of harnessing. Horses to dogs, <laughs> like trawling, trawling old plague pits, um, but uh, and and that's all very good. But um, but maybe if there was something kept back so that you could ensure that the right sort of person um, was always <laughs> in charge and uh, and steering things in the right direction, then then that would be good. But uh, mostly he's just sat there drinking, really. I think. <laughs> What, what what's Monty Mistfeather thinking? Uh, I've been, I think that for some reason I'm getting strong kind of Lemis vibes of the students. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so I think Monty's probably thinking about Cochette the Colossus, <laughs> who he saw through the wall of another fortress or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Cochette, Cochette the Colossus. <laughs> That's one of one of my favourite brands of toilet roll. Um, <laughs> um, but I mean, he's still invested in the cause. Yeah, yeah, like, of course. Also, for you know, for romantic reasons. Yes, of course. And I think we kind of fade into the scene. Tyrrell saying, "Nothing impresses the young ladies more than good newly brewed brandy and." A cause. A fellow who believes in a cause. They love that. To the cause. And he like raises glass. To the cause. Takes a slug. It's ridiculously new brandy because things that are old are bad at this point in history. <laughs> so you don't you don't want old brandy. You don't want something aged because that'll probably be just ditch water. So, so it's like the freshest, newest spirits. <laughs> <laughs> moonshine or something yeah yeah oh yeah she's like this is one of the best batches so far i don't believe a single person has gone blind from drinking this one though a few people have got blind drunk (laughs) 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 so anyway i'm not the ideas man i'm 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 more a talker i'm more a persuader i but what's the idea what cause can we have is it really all in there, Renfrey? What taps the book? Why, Tibbles, yes. I, I've looked through this in considerable depth and uh, digested it fully. I could tell you anything in this book, let me tell you. Um, oh, please don't, I, please don't. <laughs> I believe you. I'll, listen, I, I will spare you the details. <laughs> But suffice to say, this manifesto, this provides a, a blueprint not only for um, what has emerged from the ashes of our previous tribes, but for society as a whole. And we simply need to ensure that we are the other folk who are able to properly guide and nurture such a, a place. Who could be better guides and nurturers than us? Well, I mean, quite. look around this room. There's there's Monty there, still dreaming about Cachette. Huh? Gusty has only mostly fallen off his chair. There, drowsing. Old Fuggery over there. Very responsible chap. Very responsible. Yes, but you know what I I see when I look around this room. It's people that can appreciate things such as fine brandies. Um, Appreciating things! (laughs) Two two appreciating (laughs) things. You you walk out of this place into into the the toil of the the fields and the farms. Those... (sighs) Those folk, they they need a, a guiding hand from us. from above, and we are the we are the ones to to provide that. I feel we we don't stand up for them. Then 
who's going to stand up for them? Yes, precisely. Exactly, that's right. We've got to stand up to them. They come here with their complaints about, oh, I've broken my leg, can I have a pension? Of course not. We've got to stand up to them. What? What? <laughs> to standing up. <laughs> to standing up. <laughs> so, you're saying we should get out there, wear the breastplate of truth and the helm of righteousness and stride out before them and say, we have the answers. We are the chaps who can really get things done. Getting things done. Getting things done. Oh, oh, that was a strong one. Oh. I think, well... Maybe I will go blind. I think what I'm saying in many ways is that what the people need to... What the people need to hear um, and what those truths and answers are might not necessarily be the same thing. Oh. Um, within here, we have all of the knowledge of the world. We have the, the truths. We have the righteousness. We, we have the, the justice. Um, all written before us. But were this to fall into the hands of ones that are less uh, less well motivated as as ourselves, then that that could be problematic. Some someone a little base, a little uh, less well prepared for the knowledge within. Well, you need folks such as us with good long term thinking. And lots of seagulls. <laughs> to seagulls! To seagulls! <laughs> In order to, to properly see these things through, this, this manifesto talks of, of affluent, good times, of well-developed society, but does also talk of the end of days, of reckonings of... Uh, terrible destruction, uh, and were the common folk to to know that what we're working to ultimately ends in all of this, then there'd be panic. That could be quite self-defeating. I feel uh, so. We need to we need to prepare for these times, of course. But at the same time, ensure stability. Stability really is what everyone needs, isn't it? We've seen what instability can do. And you end up with the rule of whoever is most willing to wield power and bring force to bear. Is that a good way of life? Well, it worked for our families, but we no longer need that. We are coming to a civilised age, and a civilised age needs stability so the civilization can be built like a home, like a castle built upon a foundation. This book is the foundation. This book is the foundation. Got to have good builders. This book can't just be anybody. Us. It can't. Can't. It can't. Can it? It can't, can't be any. You're. You're so. Can't trust right, it Monty. to anybody. Just anybody. Can't. You can't. We. We can't. But also, it provides. Provides something of an opportunity. If this is indeed the only text. The only recordings of what has come before uh, and um, visions of what will come in the future, um, then as custodians uh, of this knowledge, then we are able to we are able to build a society, but also build the beliefs of that society to ensure that the bedrock that it's constructed upon is, is solid. Um, I mean, no what? doubt the actions of the Diabolists and those of the Seven Sisters <sighs> that, uh, that are, are documented in here um, largely have been lost to to time. But the society that we seed, we can use those as, as tenants. The, uh, those that uh, originally sort of gave themselves up, then we can assist in arranging the views of people and how they uh, ah. what they attribute those seven sisters to exactly and with sufficient reverence then that can provide a, a moral code upon which that society can can grow and that will enable us to 
um, ensure that there is buy-in in the, the, the laws that uh, will be required in order to um, construct the framework of, of this society. We, we, we build the frame upon which it is all hung. Yeah, so we can take the... The society is a tent, and we're building a tent frame. And no one need even see the frame. They will only see the tent. Yeah, so we can take the myths of the past and reconstruct them into the society of the, the future, which will be good and strong and stable. Whilst at the same time, having read, leafed through this text, make preparations for when things might be more difficult. Um, we can leave a legacy ah. so that uh, when this all comes out in the end they can look back to this night and think yes no, they they weren't just um, they weren't just focused on the, the good that was within this uh, within this book they also prepared for what was bad. prophesized yes. to come it makes us look forward looking it makes it clear that we were the ones who are ready they will remember our names precisely and at the end what does it all come down to well i mean when we have constructed this what is the final thing that we must do that the that the book guides us to hold on and he like flicks to the last page he's like oh, it's quite hard to read isn't it i don't know this handwriting is a little awkward i think we have to guard a dragon yes yeah, that's um, yes. When I read that last page, then uh, that's what I concluded too. Yes, yes. What do you think, Monty? The dragon guard, shall we be? If only you'd seen her—a vision. She would be so impressed to hear you are a dragon guard. You couldn't tell her, of course. Secret society and all of that. We're keeping the frame underneath the tent. You see. Are we are we going camping? No, 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 don't be ridiculous. We have walls and a roof now that works at least 50% of the time. Right. This roof is ideal in any situation where it's not raining. And I see a future when roofs can even keep the rain out. That's the kind of decadence our descendants may enjoy. But only if we are able to quietly nudge them on the right path and those that follow us. We will take roles in this uh, endeavour. Perhaps we will draw lots come the morning. Having reviewed all that is within this book, then some of us will go out into the world as prophets of each of these seven sisters. Very good. Preaching the codes that we wish each of them to uh, be responsible for and to adhere to. And those that, that remain, we will form the Dragon Guard. Uh, and we will study this text in great detail and pull whatever strings we need to pull. Uh, and so what you're saying that we could to, to sort of change how people think about the goddesses. Yes, yes, precisely. So, so where you have the goddess of thunder, she could become the goddess of thunder and trees or something. Yes. Well, we can. We can. The, the according to this, the um, goddesses, the they're, they're just people that have ascended. You know, there's whatever their personal can't let that out. Can't let that out. Whatever their personal beliefs were is makes them sound a bit common. Yes, is is neither here nor there. But if they have risen up to um, to divinity then they will be shaped by the opinion of the people that um, follow and worship and, re and revere them and uh, we are the medium that is able to um, to determine that so whatever moral ambitions and ambiguities we put upon that will um, will be ours and to, to shape um, and that is what will come to pass and so it's a, a great responsibility for us to a true responsibility so noble so glorious Yes, to, to, to ensure that um, the, the kind of tragedies that have happened in the past are held off for as, as long as possible. Uh, we can simply boot out those like the Diablist um, through the convictions of the churches that, that we establish. And in the meantime, knowing that ultimately it's inevitable, then uh, we, will, we will work to ensure that the, the dragons um, will remain protected. I mean, in the, in the meantime, we will do all that we can to ensure that they are um, 
removed from the, uh, the, the written history of, of any society that we create and bring together. Brain free. You are thinking big picture, old chap. You are thinking such big picture. Yes, I respect that. The religions that we will seed, um, they will provide the, the structure for society itself. Now, what I would say is that it will be difficult work preparing um, a monastery or, the, or those that will need to form this dragon guard. I propose that every five years, those of us that have stayed to form the Dragon Guard uh, will meet at the monastery, or wherever we decide to set it up here, perhaps. Maybe here. Um, with with each of our prophets, um, the lead player at any particular point in time for one of these sisters, uh, we'll meet in a grand moot and... Um, that way we can ensure that we have, we were able to invest uh, the most sort of devout uh, into the Dragon Guard um, and continue it going. Jolly good show. Jolly good show. We need not even name it in time. Mm. We can share this divine wisdom. They need not even know that the Dragon Guard is here. That may be only for the innermost, the least circle. Those that know the true mystery. Well, those at the head of each of our churches will, um, they will be able to seek our counsel and then we can simply look in the book and, uh, and ensure that society <laughs> is, is staying in check and on track and it's everything we need them to be. We shall look so wise, it will be extraordinary. To the Dragon Guard! To the, the Dragon, Dragon Guard! <laughs> I think that answers our question. <laughs> That's also, I think, extremely cool. <laughs> so like, uh, I like the fact that Renfri Zeros is clearly uh, the big thinker of this group <laughs> by a reasonable margin, in spite of the fact he is not a big thinker. <laughs> yeah, because it's quite funny. When I was doing, like, six, seven years ago, when I was doing the world building, I was like, oh, all the goddesses originally were like the goddess of thunder or the goddess of love, and then they became like the goddess of thunder and justice or the go goddess of love and fields and things, and I hadn't really thought how that happened, but now we've just explained how that <laughs> happened. <laughs> That's a very cool connection. I like that to make, get like certain levels of posh accent, and then to go even posher, you have to make it that sort of lazy, eaten. <laughs> yeah, <to> really <laughs> slow. Everything sort of slows down and tails off at the end, almost <laughs> stop. <laughs> And it's quite nice because that gives you a little more time to think, to think. about what you're going to say next. <laughs> Pete, do you have a closing scene or event as Lens? No. <laughs> The only things I can say with it are, little Russian lady, would you like some beets? Um, <laughs> sounds very mobster. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a, a mobster DJ, <laughs> would you like some beets? <laughs> fat beets. Some fat beets, Mrs. Moneypenny. Um, so... Um, so, Adam, you get to... So, Pete, I mean, God, I get so... Con it's, <laughs> it's because your character name is also the name that a person might have. And for some reason, that seems to be more with Adam than it does with uh, Tristan or Percy, both of which are quite unusual names. Adam, I know a few Adams. And so my brain's like, oh, I'm just going to mix Pete and Adam up now. Whenever you say one, whenever you're talking about one, you're going to say the wrong name. <laughs> also, my real name is the kind of name a character might have. <laughs> yeah, which, uh... That is true. 
Um, and I, I would say that's uh, that's legit because Welsh names are pretty damn cool. Yeah, I used to get when I was trying to sign into um, LARP events, they'd ask me my name. They'd be like, no, no, your real name, not your character's name. Yeah, kind of <laughs> <is>. <laughs> um, Did you give a false name? <laughs> no, I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, Gwynteague. Like, um, no, you have the name. Um, Kindling McTaff? Like, no, your, your real name. It's still Gwynteague. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> yeah, just uh, Stuart Heading. <laughs> <laughs> no real life names. <laughs> oh, that's pretty. Good. Is that how Minecraft villagers talk as well? Hello. <laughs> yeah, it's all, that's all, also one of the things I liked about Warcraft villagers. It's that hello, yes, my lord. <laughs> What is it? Um, to cast somebody as Hector, who would you? Or should we just leave it? Um, yeah, I was going to say, I'm trying to think who I would. I was going would. to say, probably Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That... <laughs> uh, pulls out a kind of... Um... Pulls out a police car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, every week, every week, it's always... <laughs> yeah. There's always some loud thing in the background. Um, uh, it's it's because you don't have a wall on your house between you and the road. It's that's, just your yeah. house road. <laughs> you just sat in the garden. That's the, yeah. that's, a, that's a virtual background. He's in a building. <laughs> yeah. 